You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. We are actually on episode 113. I am super pumped that I finally figured this out. I found the place in Podbean where I could actually know what episode I was really on, and I think I've gone through and changed as many of them after 100. I got them all. I believe I got them all. So it's been a running gag amongst the listeners I keep contact with via Facebook and Instagram. Some of them, many of them have pointed out that it seems like I wasn't really sure what episode number I was on. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. And I'm not really sure how that happened. I keep all my notes in Trello, and I believe I have a really good organizational system. And then, well, then I don't. (laughs) And so (laughs) enough about that. I absolutely do know that I am now officially on episode 113, which is great because I'm, I'm very excited about the lead up to 117. And I'm not even sure what I'm going to do about that one, if it's going to be super special or what. I haven't decided, but 117 is my absolute favorite number. 17 is there, 7. It's all derivatives of 7, but I will say 117 a ton. You'll hear me re- reference it so many times in these shows. has just like the random statistic I'll throw out. I'll be like, there's 117 ways to skin a cat, 117 ways to walk to the grocery store. Right, it's just the random number that I seek out. Um, it's been following me around for a decade, and I've just loved it. And I won't release it. And so, let's talk about happiness. Last week, I discussed creativity as your gateway toward your empowered recovery, and I have referenced—I believe I've referenced happiness in so many different aspects on this show as being something to not seek after to be thinking about being content, about finding that baseline where you're not seeking out happiness because not everything in life is going to make you happy, right? If, if you say, I always want to be happy, and then you find yourself living through a current trauma or heartbreak or a death in the family, something like that, then all of a sudden there's going to be this energy inside of you that, that wants to fight just settling into the sadness, to that human experience. Right? We have to understand as humans that emotions, there's an ebb and flow to them. And that always being happy is a fruitless endeavor. It's a fool's errand. And I've said this before, but I've also said that even seeking out happiness can be a fool's errand. Because it's like, one, you know, how do you even substantiate what true happiness is? And positive emotions are fleeting. They can last 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or so max. Whereas negative emotions, sadness, heartbreak, these are ones that you can really get yourself locked into, like at their height, for 18 to 36 hours. And studies have been shown. You can Google that. You'll see various numbers bounced around on the Internet and different groups you go to with people who talk about this. They'll have different statistics that they'll reference. But I'm grouping them all together, and I've seen things from anywhere around that 12 to 18 hours all the way to a day and a half, two days, where you can really just get sunk into the sadness. And it's the memory of that emotion that really is what you keep harking back to. When you're happy and then that that, that peak happiness, that peak laughter goes away, you can make yourself laugh again at that moment by thinking about it. But what occurred in that moment is history. Just like with the negative emotion, it's now history. 
It's what it was, what was then. And now you're just reliving it in your head. That's getting you back to that guilt or that shame or that negative emotion that you're seeking to release. Just like when you want to think about a happy moment, you can keep replaying it in your head. But eventually, you know, just like the enjoyment of alcohol or drugs once was, it wears off. And then if you keep trying to relive that happy moment after a while, it just becomes this baseline of general, a feel, a sense of happiness but more of a content that you got to experience it. And there are times when I really think I have my thoughts on something in lockdown. Like I, I know it for sure. I can feel comfortable. Um, it's not like I can not feel, hear, or see things differently when I say that I have my thoughts on something in lock. It's just that I have this feeling that I have evaluated something to the point where I am able to glide on that analysis of it moving forward. Like in my life, I have I feel confident that saying this is really what I feel and think in this moment. And I've always reserved the right to review and evaluate and reapply something and test it out differently. We've talked about that all the time, right? We want to have this fluid growth mindset around our addiction recovery. We want to have this fluid, fluid growth mindset in our lives, not just our addiction recovery, not just on our thoughts about our past and who we were and what we're seeking to achieve now. So what is so interesting to me is when I catch myself in this thought process what, that I've got something on lockdown and that I'm good, my analysis, my analysis of it can, is complete and I can move forward with my life. What's so interesting when I catch myself in that thought process is that I know damn well that I have ordered my unconscious mind to continue to seek. My unconscious mind knows that its duty is to evaluate what it thinks, what I think as a person. It knows its duty is to evaluate. And then it sends cues to my conscious mind to seek out further information to either confirm what I already think I know or to challenge it. I'm not okay with just settling into confirmation bias. I want to make sure that I really feel confident with the way that I believe about certain things. I literally have the empowerment dynamic running in the background of my operating system at all times. My operating system being my mind, right? You've got you've got your operating system in the background. That's your unconscious mind. It is consistently running the empowerment dynamic. I'm all at once my own creator, coach, and challenger. I will not rest. I will not settle. I will continue to seek. I am a seeker. I am someone who gets restless and wants to know more. I seek out more knowledge. I want to inspire that in you. I want you to become a seeker in your addiction recovery. I want you to realize that who you were then is not who you are now, and that because you are this newer version of yourself, you have already begun the evolution from a drunk, from a heroin addict, from a cokehead, from whatever it might be. You are your own creator, coach, and challenger. You can challenge your own ideas. You can coach yourself through them, and you can create a new idea around something. Now, now, all three of these are not driving at the same time. When I'm creator, coach, and challenger, that would just be chaotic, but they do all get their time in the sun. And over the past year or so, I have felt this intense energetic vibration towards understanding emotional intelligence in a broader sense so I can apply and evaluate where I am at in terms of the four components, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. And go back a handful of episodes, and I do an entire episode on Emotional Intelligence 2.0, the book. 
In fact, I'll discuss that a little bit more later. I don't want to divert right now. I want to stay on course. So I desire to achieve this up-leveling of my emotional intelligence, not necessarily on a certain timeline. Like, you better know how to be more self-aware in the next 90 days, or it's to the brig with you. It's it's more than that. Right? It's, it's more so that I, I feel myself growing, that I hear myself communicating in a vulnerable and connected way, and that I can see tangibly that these efforts are creating closer and more powerful relationships with my friends, families, inner circles, anyone, anyone that I have a consistent connection with. Now, that word vulnerable, just a, just a little side note, it can lead some people to think of weakness. Maybe this is you or maybe it is not. I don't know. Maybe you didn't even think about weakness until I said the word weakness and then I instilled that thought into your head. Either way, let me just be extremely clear here. Brene Brown is very proud of me for understanding the way out of shame is through vulnerability. That when you shine a light on your shame, it allows you to be vulnerable. It allows you to come from this place to realize that you are a human, that you are not infallible, that you will make mistakes. And if I haven't dedicated an episode on vulnerability and shame yet, and I'll need to go back through, or honestly, I just should ask Kalen. He's in my tribe, and and the guy's like an encyclopedia on my episodes. Um, He'll tell me. I'll come back. I'll do an episode on vulnerability and shame. Brene Brown's Daring uh, Greatly is amazing. I know hundreds of you have contacted me about having read that book and how much it's helped you. If you have not gotten a hold of Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, I highly recommend it. I I have literally dissected that book on audio and on Audible and on Kindle. I even, I've taken some of the most amazing notes on it. I'm actually going to put a program out next year for my five-year soberversary all about uh, releasing shame through vulnerability, but it's, it's like five projects away. Anyways, sidebar on vulnerability. It is not weakness. It is actually strength to be able to step into the places where you can grow even if it's uncomfortable, shining a light on that shame and moving through it. That is what we talk about when it comes to vulnerability. It isn't like, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not like you're sitting there having somebody threaten to uh, do something violent to you and you just meekly walk away and let them take whatever. I, I don't even have a good metaphor for this. Whatever you might think vulnerability is around weakness, you just release that. Vulnerability is strength. So... When I can communicate in this vulnerable, connected way, then I know that I am moving forward in my emotional intelligence. And after that little diatribe on for three minutes on vulnerability, I have no doubt Miles is going to have a big smile on his face because we just got done texting. He's in my tribe, avid listener of the show. And I talk about how sometimes I just go on these three-minute long tangents where I'm not even sure there's a point. That may have been what I just did, dude. But being in addiction recovery, it's fascinating to me. Having this history that I do, these experiences that I can call upon, all of this just blows my mind. Sometimes, all the time, I, I cannot tell you how often I just look at myself and I'm just like, wow, who I used to be to where I am now. And the fact that I get to call upon these old experiences and I get to actually have seen my growth, experienced my growth, felt it, heard myself growing. Like, how did I get here? And thank you, universe, for keeping me in one piece so I can continue this journey that is my life and that I am blessed to be able to do it with a mind released from the cloud and fog of addiction. So over this journey into and through my own history with emotional intelligence and the empowerment that I have gained 
actively seeking maturity in this domain. I have often said things like, why seek happiness when contentment should be the journey? Or, I do not seek happiness, I seek contentment. Do not seek out happiness. Happiness is fruitless. I have said these things. I just covered that five minutes ago. Now, this thought and feeling came from me hearing countless people in my meetings saying that. That all they wanted was to be happy and to find happiness. And my thoughts in my head, you know, for better or for worse, were that happiness is fleeting. You can't always be happy. And it's, it's, the, the ebb and flow of human emotions just don't allow consistent, constant happiness as an emotion. And that's where we're getting ready to move into. That since I seek contentment, I have made that my stable baseline. Neither happy nor sad, neither up nor down, just being in my journey and being in a good place in that space of contentment. Then, because I asked the universe to challenge me, it brought me a book called Think Yourself Happy. My energy has called this this book into my space. I know it for a fact because I'm work, currently working on two projects. Uh, the first two I have collaborated on with outside influences and sometimes. I, I've really just gone it alone for the last couple years with both my podcasts, with my book, with my online course, with my live mastermind, Wise Mind Empowerment. With everything I do, I do these things on my own because I've got all this stuff churning in my head. I don't need anybody else's influence. I've got this. But these projects, and many of you will find yourself compelled to want to be a part of them. These projects... Uh, they were born out of collaborations with other NLP practitioners, master practitioners, and trainers. And it, it just, the, the synergy I have with them was too strong to deny. And the first one was born out of a collaboration between two of my peers. Uh, the first incarnation of this became a communication summit we held last year during the pandemic. I know Greg, who's in my tribe, you were attended. I know a few of the others have attended uh, where we talked about communication and how to have healthy communication with people. The second one, which will be launching on the 10th of May and the marketing and the portal to become a member of that, it's a five-day challenge that moves into a month-long, 27-day-long um, whole course and challenge um, that it's all launching over here in the next couple of weeks. Um, this one's all going to be based upon um, seeking out certain habits in your life that you want to change immediately. And the five-day challenge will get you absolutely being able to start to make massive major changes in your life, whether it's around your career, your finances, your love, your health, your wealth, your relationships, whatever it is. We have come up with a system that is easy to implement in five days. If you're really ready to dive in and really learn some amazing content, we're going to be going over the five love languages, the five elements of emotional intelligence, the five elements of the planet Earth, the ether, the sun, or the earth, wind, and fire, and ether. We're going to be going over some amazing, amazing things. And I've got some Instagram lives coming out about that. I'm going to get Tanya on. You're going to love it. The other one I talked about, it's all going to be around emotional intelligence and really being able to move you through those times when you yell at people and you get angry and, and, you, and you don't understand why you, your emotions ebb and flow and you get charged when your boss walks into your office or you get charged when your kids drop their backpack. I mean, it's just we're really going to step into this place of emotional groundedness, y'all, because if there is one thing I've noticed in the last year because of this pandemic is that we are not in an emotionally intelligent society. And it is time we step into that. And there, I think I did it again. I think that was another three-minute diatribe. 
I love me some three-minute diatribes. I might just start calling them that. In fact, I just decided that's what I'm going to start calling them. I'm like, here we go. Let's do a quick three-minute diatribe. Set the counter, Miles. Set the counter, Kalen. We're going for it right now. So let's get back to the book, Think Yourself Happy. I digress on all of those projects for now. There will be certainly plenty of more information about them. So there is some stuff we want to talk about when it comes to this book, Think Yourself Happy. Let's get into this book, Think Yourself Happy. And this is why, after this last 15 minutes of discussing our emotional intelligence, of of discussing why you have been on this journey of vulnerability and emotional intelligence and the empowerment dynamic, and all of this stuff is just, right, we're, in a way, it's like we're always seeking to get back to basics. We don't want to forget where we were when this journey started. We don't want to live in the past where we're reliving our our rock bottom. That is not our intention here. We don't ever want to forget our rock bottom to the point where we're sober 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, and then we relapse thinking that we can now control the demon, and then the demon's always been hibernating like a bear in winter. It comes out. Am I, you know, it's, it's skinnier than it was because it's been asleep for, for the whole winter. Oh boy, I'll tell you what, when that bear comes out of that, uh, its little hibernation den, it is voraciously hungry, and it will go after anything anything that will satiate its hunger. And that's exactly what would happen if we, any of us relapsed. Why go backwards? Keep moving forwards. There is nothing for you there. Can I stress it enough? There is nothing for you back in the past where using was your modus operandi. Nothing. I'm getting chills as I say this. I cannot stress it enough. You have played that tape to exhaustion. It has broken. You have pulled it out. You have taped that tape with masking tape just to put it back in the cassette player, and it skips over that part funny. It is played out. You are moving forward. And as you're moving forward, you're seeking to grow your emotional intelligence. You're seeking to communicate with people in an effective, communicative way. Right? This isn't, doesn't mean that you have to get vulnerable with everybody and splurge out your history and, and be absolutely truthful and tell everybody where you came from. It just means that you start by being truthful now about the things that are being that need to be truthful about in the now. That you're not breaking your integrity and, and falsifying and lying to people to their face just to a- appease the fear of what might come out if you actually told them the truth about what you were feeling or experiencing in that moment. And this book, Think Yourself Happy, it massively changed the way I see happiness. And now, 18 minutes in, I really want to go back to the beginning for one second. This will not be a three-minute diatribe. And remind you that I thought I had my thoughts around happiness on lock. I thought I had my analysis of this subject done. Be content. Release the desire to seek happiness. Release it because it is a fruitless endeavor. And then I read this book because my unconscious mind told me there is more to be found there. So my conscious and unconscious got together. We sent out the energy and thank you. Think yourself happy. And this is why in the very first chapter of this book titled Why Be Happy, it says this sentence and it changed so much. Did it change everything? Let's let's see if I think that it changed everything as we move through the rest of this episode. Most of us think of happiness as an emotion, but the kind of happiness the author thinks is most valuable is actually a mood or state of mind of 
being happiness, of being happy. He goes on to say that happiness shouldn't be misunderstood for pleasure, which is what I was uh, incorrectly doing. That if you're always seeking out happiness, that you're seeking out this pleasure around life. But that pleasure is this sensation that is momentary. It's fleeting. It's, it's whenever you have that satisfaction of, of a craving. You need a cigarette. You need a drink. You need some drugs. And you go off and get it. And you're like, oh, yes. Finally, in that moment. It's like the craving monster has been supplemented. It's fine. It's like, are you happy now, craving monster? You're right. You feel good for a moment, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last. So this mood or state of mind of happiness is is really exactly that. It's a mood. It's a state of mind. It's not the actual peak of the laughter. It's not that peak of opening up the gift and seeing that it's what you've been wanting for months and your loved one finally got it for you because you wouldn't break down and just get it for yourself. right? You can't will yourself to be happy. Happy happens in that moment. It's not like you tell yourself, oh my gosh, I finally got the Florida Gators robe I've always wanted. Smile and be jubilant. right? You're just happy or you're not. There are specific steps you can utilize to become happier. Right? There, there are some practices that you can put yourself through. Because like anything in life, you've habituated yourself to a certain response mechanism to the things that are happening in your life. But when I thought that happiness was this huge smile and this joyous laughter, which is really what I was picturing all along when people would say that all they wanted was to be happy. Perhaps what they were really saying is they just wanted to have that mood, that state of mind, that state of being that was happy, right? And that can be seen as contentment. And I'm picturing these people in the, in the meetings at Refuge Recovery, and they just look sad, and they look sullen, and all they wanted was to be happy. And then I would see them laugh at the end of the meeting, or I'd see them laugh in the meeting, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, see, see, you're happy right now. Why don't you just put this in a bottle and just hold on to it, use some NLP, and always be able to embrace what you feel right now? Because what I'm seeing in you is happy right now. But what that was was the pleasure of the moment. But it wasn't the long-lasting happiness feeling that they were seeking. That is a mood or a state of mind. The pleasure in the moment was just fulfilling that that craving of laughter, or happiness, but that again, there's that ebb and flow of that, like the like the tide rushing in. At once, it's this wave, and it, it has created this wave, and it actually has it's tangible. It is a tangible wave. It crashes on the ocean, and it just becomes water again. It scurries off back into the ocean. For once, it will become another wave again. But either way, it was a wave, and now it is just water. That is laughter. Laughter is this wave that crescendos, crashes along the shoreline. It, it dissipates. It goes away. But the water, the ocean is always there. That is what happiness can be for you. It can be the ocean that is always there. It can be this mood or it can be a state of mind. When you're out there and you're creating, like we talked about last week, you're developing your growth mindset. You're thinking about all these different ways that you can really begin to harness what it is you're curious about your interests, your passions, your purpose, right? When you're thinking about how you're moving forward, right? These can be things that evoke happiness in you. It can be this state of mind. It might, now that we've begun to reframe happiness, no longer as an emotion, but as a mood, 
right? Now we realize that it actually is sustainable, that it can be something that's sustainable. And honestly, the more I talk about this, the more I think about this, that it has changed everything. Now, is there going to obviously be some extrapolation upon this? Absolutely. We have not even begun to, to delve into this topic. I'm only, I only, you know, I, I plowed through the first three chapters before it gets to the five steps, and I won't get into those now because I, I held off on wanting to get into the five steps of the five ways that you can practice creating happiness in yourself because I didn't want to get too bogged down by all of this in this one episode because I, then I, I know how I am. I'd have turned this into a one hour long episode, and people have been like, Nip, so much for Jesse keeping these things short, right? The point was to really be able to start talking about happiness in a way that we had not done before. The way that I had not done before. And because I haven't heard any comments back from the hundreds of you that have hit me up over the over the last pandemic long year, that no one's really balked back on this happiness is fleeting, don't seek happiness, seek contentment. And maybe you just allowed it to pass by. Maybe you didn't even think about it. Maybe you thought, okay, sure, whatever. Just Jesse on another one of his three-minute diatribes. I don't know. But now that we're going to actually talk about it, and we're going to be talking about it for a while, because a lot of the projects I'm working on over the next couple months are going to be about empowering yourself through emotional intelligence, through being emotionally grounded. We've talked about reaction respond. We've talked about triggers and cues and being grounded. We have talked about that, you know, never to the point of exhaustion, but definitely to the point where I've heard many of you repeating some of the sentences I've said, um, just off the top of your head. So that tells me that there's been impact there. So I want this to become something that we begin to conversate about, about the impact that this can have. Because when we're seeking out happiness in our sobriety and recovery, what will that look like to you? What is it you're doing every single day that lets you know that you are actively involved in your addiction recovery? I read things on Instagram about people being in dry recovery or dry sobriety where you're not working on yourself, you're not seeking, you know, to make yourself better. And, you know, my only issue I would have with that is who is anybody else to judge what somebody else's program really involves, what what it entails, right? Somebody might say, well, no, I've never gone to AA. I have never gone to AA. No, I did it a couple times at University of Florida back in like 2004 or five, and, and uh, some guy complained about his cat every single meeting, and I and everyone called themselves addicts and something about it. I just didn't enjoy the energy, and I just chose to do it a different way this time through Kaiser through all of their meetings. But it doesn't mean that I'm you know dry sober just because I didn't do the twelve steps. It doesn't mean that because you're doing it a different way, right? Now you can be reading all the self help books you want. But are you actively applying the stuff? Are you just posting a bunch of pictures about books you've read on, on social media so that everybody knows that you're reading a ton of stuff? But you could honestly read one of those books and then actively apply all of the principles for the next three, six, nine, or 12 months and get more out of that book than the person who just plowed through it, set it down, and jumped right into the next one. Where is your application and evaluation? Where are you thinking about what it is that you're actively doing? For the people who've joined my tribe, I become this supplement to what they're already doing. Now, do I like to get them all on live calls via Zoom and talk to them about this stuff and see where their brain is growing? Absolutely. The last Wednesday's meeting was the best one we've had because we really got into some good stuff. I really got everyone actively throwing in their opinions based off the material in the online course, what they've heard in the podcast. It was groundbreaking. I know everybody who attended just loved it 
loved it, loved it. Because it gives us an opportunity, all of us on a similar page, because we're listening to the online course I created, right? So we're bringing that kind of energy into it. And that becomes this growth opportunity for them. It can become a growth opportunity for you. Or you can be going off and listening to other podcasts. You can go into meetings. You can be doing whatever it is you're doing. But as you apply the things that you're learning in your addiction recovery, are you able to go to bed each night feeling that your day was a win? Feeling that you have done something, actively done something to increase your awareness about yourself. So when your head hits the pillow, you can say, yes, today I took another step forward. I've been doing the 10,000 steps, increase them to 11.5 because it was time to. I've hit that for 84 days straight. Super pumped that in six more days, I get another badge in my pedometer app and it's going to set off some confetti and I'm going to have 90 days straight. In April alone, I hit milestones in miles, in floors, in steps, and in, in, in I'm going to hit the one for consecutive days in a row. Like every single category it keeps track of, I have hit a milestone in the month of April. And these were milestones that when I first thought, started, I thought I wasn't going to, I said, I hope I hit these milestones all in June, and I'm going to hit them before the end of April. And it's, it's what it's changed to my body, the weight that I've lost, the positive energy I've felt, the deeper conversations I have, because when the phone rings, instead of sitting in front of my computer and emptying out my email for the next hour while I talk to somebody and passively listening to them, because I think, oh, well, I'm going to be on the phone talking to them. I might as well multitask and empty out my, my Gmail inbox. And so instead of paying attention to what they're saying, and hearing all of it and actively being able to respond, feeling blessed to be even being in this conversation because their time is just as honorable as my time. Now, I'm not emptying out the email anymore. I'm not half-assing these conversations. I'm going outside. I'm walking around in circles in my apartment complex. I'm getting my steps. I'm being active, and I'm also being present in these phone calls. I'm being present with my uncle when he goes to walk his new dog because now instead of just saying, okay, I'll see you in 20 minutes, I say, hey, can I come? And I throw on my sneaks and I walk around the the gravel neighborhood in the woods with him because I want to get my steps in. And because I want to get my steps in, I am now having a very connected conversation with my uncle. That one little habit of making steps has caused me to, it, 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 it spreads so far and wide. I now have multiple clients that I'm coaching on things like drinking more water and taking more steps. And then next thing you know, we're weighing their food and we're monitoring their vegetable intake. And it's these little changes and the happiness that I can hear in their voice that they've now taken control of something that they once thought uncontrollable has blown my mind. I take for granted sometimes this steadfast dedication I have to my goals. I was told by three different clients today that I inspire them because when I decide to do something, I just go, I bore into it. And I know that a substantial amount of it stems from not wanting to disappoint my mother and father when I was a child. And so I wouldn't just want to do it good. I would want to do it the best. I would want to do it to the best of my ability. And if I happened to finish first place, great. Most of the time, I did not. There was somebody faster, stronger, smarter in, in the class. I would finish third or fourth. But I would just, I would say, I'm going to do 88%. I'm going to get 88% on this test, and I'd get a 94. And I was like, yeah, that's because I stayed up late, and I studied for it. I worked my butt off, and I was only in the top five. But you know what? I'll take top five. And if I can make podium, even better. 
But my point of bringing that up is it's it's this in, it's this in, in, it's, it's this inside interior. I, I'm stumbling on the words right now. It's ten twenty four on Tuesday night, Monday night, and I'm I'm a little bonkers right now. I it, there's this fire inside of me not to disappoint myself. I do not want to disappoint myself. There are the four agreements of Don Miguel Ruiz or Ruiz. Um, somebody recently pronounced his last name different than I have been pronouncing it. So I don't know if it's Ruiz or Ruiz, but it's R-U-I-Z. And it's Don Miguel for sure. And it's the four agreements. And the first one is be impeccable with your word. And whenever you hear me say that, I want you to be impeccable with your word to yourself. So often humans are not impeccable with their own words to themselves. I personally think it is the number one problem we have as humans is that we do not keep our word to ourselves. We say we're going to do something and then we can justify our way out of it for whatever reason it is. And I think a lot of it stems from a fear of something. We make a commitment and then we don't follow through and then our unconscious mind gets habituated to the fact that we'll make commitments and we won't follow through. So when we make commitments, the unconscious mind's already like, well, yeah, sure, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, you're walk 10,000 steps. Whatever. I'll, I'll help you keep up with that for about four or five days. And as soon as you see an Oreo at midnight, you're going to eat that. And the next morning, you won't get up and walk steps. And cool, we can go back to just sitting in the chair and studying all the time. But no, when I make a commitment to myself, I see it through. It's what I did with my addiction recovery. It's what I've done with my physical fitness. It's what I've done with my coaching and my teaching and my books and all that other nonsense, right? And all that, not nonsense. Let me take that back. Sorry about that, Jesse. You do good stuff. <laughs> it's none of it's nonsense. It's just the things that I'm interested in, as I'm curious about. And I've turned this passion into my purpose and it fires me up. So it's absolutely not nonsense. Nothing you do in your addiction recovery is nonsense either. If you can only walk a thousand steps a day, if you, uh, you know, you think that cooking is an amazing way to be creative and that's what you want to do. None of what you do to get yourself grounded in your addiction recovery is nonsense. It all has a purpose if you think it has a purpose and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Whatever is important to you, whatever keeps you on the right track, that's what matters. No one else's opinion. Not your wife or your husband's or your partner's or your spouse or your siblings, nobody else's. If you think that, you know, quacking like a duck and walking around on all fours and, and snorting like a pig for three hours a day is what brings you joy and happiness in life and that's what's keeping you sober, then by God, post that up on TikTok and I'll like it every single day. It doesn't matter what I think or anyone else thinks. If you believe it's what's keeping you on the right track, then continue to do it. As long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, right? You want to you have integrity here. But keep doing that. And as I digress about all of this, and, and, and I really just got so excited to talk about happiness today that I've been a little bit all over the place. And I'm not surprised because my brain is really, it's it's taking in like six different books right now and all these different PDFs that I've been hoarding back has shelf help that I'm finally cracking into about emotional intelligence and about emo emotional maturity and personal growth and development. Like as I create these two programs with my two, with my two different teams, I, I'm taking in so many different inputs right now that really like I, I said this 
you months and months and months ago about this show. That this really becomes my testing ground for the things that I'm going to ultimately speak about and talk about in public and in my programs. And really, I feel like that's what we've done today. Is I'm bringing like four different books and a couple different PDFs, and I'm in this really amazing National Geographic magazine on personality. I'm bringing all of this in, and multiple episodes are going to be about this subject moving forward because I really want to guide myself through this journey of emotional intelligence to seek out happiness as a state of mind, as a mood, rather than a, rather than a uh, instant gratification pleasure mechanism, right? And through guiding myself through this, I want you to come along on the journey with me because that's what this whole show is about. That's what my tribe's about. Come be on this journey with us. Let's grow together. If there's a problem you have in your life, I feel extremely confident that something I teach in one of my classes will be that thing that will be the domino that knocks down. And all of a sudden, all these other blocks you've had in your life will seem effortless and easy to overcome because you were able to find the source of your true suffering or true pain or true anchor and be able to release that. And that's what I seek to do for myself on a daily basis. And And for those of you who are already actively a part of this, then you have felt it too. And understanding that you can think yourself happy, that you can begin to shift your unconscious mind to seek out the positive, the optimistic rather than the pessimistic, it is absolutely true. It is a fundamental to who we are as humans. It is a fundamental fact that who we are as humans is that we will seek out the path of least resistance in our mind. Our three-pound brain uses 20% of our energy. It is constantly seeking out the easiest path. And because these synapses and these right, these little information superhighways in our brains, they're strengthened and they're, they're, they're widened, right? If you do something 10, 15, for the first time, for the fifth time, for the 10th, 20th time, the synapses line in your brain is very thin. It's like a one-lane highway where there's a construction worker on each sign with a stop sign, right? The, the traffic isn't moving very fast along this road. It just was formed. But you continue to do it, and these, these protein-based myelin, myelin sheaths begin to wrap around this synapsis and begin to strengthen it and begin to widen it. And before you know it, something like brushing your teeth becomes this 150-lane superhighway where you can just do it tranced out. That's why you have great ideas when you're into these actions that you've habituated because you're tranced out. The, it's the superhighway. You're, you're on autopilot. I seek to find a way to turn happiness as a state of being and into autopilot. And for the most part, I feel pretty damn happy about my life. Right? There are the ebbs and flows, the instant gratification of, of pleasure or the instant or the instant disappointment of a sad moment. Like these things happen again, human experience, human models. But when we think about how we can literally habituate happiness into our lives, it's a choice we make to not be happy. It's a choice we make to step outside of our gratitude, to step outside of our humility, and to start taking things for granted, to start to not be humbled by the magic that is the world around us, by the magic that is us. I want to see the world as this amazing, magnificent, wonderful place. I want to step out of pessimism. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to to be this 
person who, so, okay, I don't want to, uh, well, let me finish the sentence. I don't want to be this person who, who sees something happen and immediately gets cynical about it and thinks the negative. And there was a TikTok my sister sent me the other day about cynicism where the guy says, you know, if somebody cuts you off on the road, do you immediately think that person's a bastard? They tried to wreck my car. Or do you think, wow, I hope that that person's able to make it to their son's baseball game before it starts. I know he's really trying to continue growing that bond that he has with his child. Do you, do you, do you immediately see a negative? Like, oh, that person's just being a jerk. They're probably trying to speed to the bar and get fucked up and they're endangering lies. And they're probably going to do something stupid later. Like, are you that cynical? Or do you instead that happen and instead you have empathy? And you say, whatever is causing you to drive that way, I hope that you make it there safely and that you're able to take care of that business. Maybe it's being late to the baseball game. Maybe it's that their, their loved one just ended up at the hospital. Who knows? But do you see it cynically or, or can you find empathy and can you find a positive from that? Right. Of course, in this scenario, the person did not run you off the road into a ditch. You were able to continue driving straight forward. <laughs> Point point before this turns into the longest episode of all time, which I think was 59 minutes once. Happiness is a habit. Happiness can be something that you can literally turn into a state of mind. My thoughts around this as being something that was just pleasure-centric and that, it, and that it was just this momentary happiness you were constantly seeking to, st- to stay in and root yourself in, I think I was way off there. I don't think I had expanded my mind around it enough. Blessed be this book that came into my life, especially as I began to build emotional intelligence, as I began to break down the processes of how personalities are developed, um, as I really start to dive deeper into behavioral psychology and really come into my own as an NLP master practitioner and trainer, knowing that I can still, in an instant, change my thoughts that I have around a particular subject brings me a lot of joy brings me a lot of happiness. And that is not the instant gratification of happiness. That is a prolonged state of mind, of being, of, of the mood of happiness. Because what I once thought I had on lockdown, it turns out I had still plenty of room to grow. And so do you. In any area of your life that you choose to prioritize, you can grow. Your sobriety and recovery only gets stagnant when you decide to allow it to become stagnant. It is your choice. Do not let chance be what guides you. Personal responsibility dictates that you make the choices for what you want in life. You are more in control of how you feel and how you behave and how you act than you've ever thought possible. In fact, if you have thought it's possible, it's even more than that. You decide how to respond or react. You decide if you're going to allow a craving to cue you back into your habit loop. You decide whether you're going to be emotionally grounded or emotionally triggered. Behavioral flexibility says that the person with the most flexibility controls the system, and the system it's referencing is you. You are the system. The more behavioral the more behaviorally flexible you are, the more in control of yourself you are, and therefore the more in control of your thoughts and feelings you are. Thus, your actions become those guided by your unconscious mind's desire to show you that you are becoming your best empowered self. And those actions will lead you to the results that will allow you to lay your head down on that pillow each and every night 
knowing you won the day that you took a positive step in your addiction recovery. And if that can't evoke a state of mind of happiness in you, I don't know what can. Your growth is your responsibility. And when you notice yourself growing, please, please, please honor yourself. Allow yourself to smile. Pat yourself on the back. Embrace the happiness and joy that comes from internally knowing you are seeking out your best empowered self. Because not everyone gets to experience that. And to take it for granted is to waste away one of the most beautiful moments you can have in life. And this is something that you can replicate every single day. Just like next week, we'll replicate you joining me here on From Sobriety to Recovery as we will continue to grow this topic to where it is meant to be. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. Bye-bye.